0: uh, How how many of y'all were in services Sunday? How many of y'all were impressed with how short I preached? Okay, y'all are about to get the last hour of that sermon. So, uh, all right. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, thank you so much for these guys. What a joy it is, Uh, uh, God, uh, just just to stand with these guys and laugh with these guys every Tuesday morning, tell them what's going on in the church and life and ministry, And get to to do life together, God. I pray that um, as we talk a little bit more uh, uh, today about really making room for uh, Christ and Christmas and real meaning of Christmas, God, I just pray that we would be uh, challenged and encouraged uh, to be the men that our, our, our wives and our sons and our daughters need us to be in this season. That, um, that we would uh, constantly and consistently point uh, toward Christ in every word that we say and every relationship we had at the office and at home uh, and just wherever we are. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, I think it's always kind of neat. Uh, Shane shared this. Is uh, I almost never, he always goes to Max's Donut. He, y'all, y'all give Shane a hand again for Max's Donut. <laughs> And it's always uh, kind of neat. I had not been in Max's Donuts in forever, but last week was my son Jarrett's birthday. And so they have performance course before school, and uh, we said, what do you want for birthday? He says, I'd like for you to bring me some donuts so I can give to my friends and stuff after, after birthday. At the same point, the day before, uh, some of you may or may not know this, the day before Thanksgiving, he got in a wreck. Uh, It wasn't his fault, praise the Lord, but he was in my truck, which is worse. I've had two Dodge Rams, 2008, a red one and a silver one. Both of them have been wrecked. Neither time has it been me. It's been Jace wrecked my older one, uh, and then Jarrett wrecked this one. So it's sitting in front of my house because the insurance company uh, hadn't accepted responsibility for it. So we just wrecked it over and it's been sitting in front of my house. My my uh, neighbors love me, Uh, but anyway. So I've been Gene and I've been carpooling in the morning. I've been taking her to school and she's getting used to that. So I got to get a vehicle. Because then she texts me at 5:30, "Hey, come pick me up." And so we live now in McKinney, and she's out in the furthest southeast school in and, in and Lovejoy, and I'm like, "Golly!" But anyway, he wanted that. So last week I, I said, "All right, Jared, I'll drop your mom off off at school." Of course, he still got a car. It's my truck that's the only one that's not working. Is that, anybody, is that just dadhood right there? I'm like, really? And um, so uh, so he went to performance course. I dropped Gina off, said, all right, I'll be back. And I decided I'm going to go get a dozen kolaches, dozen donuts uh, to, for him to give out to his buddies at school. And then I'll take some back for Gina and her teachers and all the team and stuff like that. And so I come back in and I walk in and I begin to talk to a, a kid there. And he goes, are you Pastor John Mark? And I go, I go yeah. And he goes, man, I, I kind of go to your church, is what he said. And uh, I said, you know, I've got deacons that kind of go to our church. Uh, so I'm like, You're, you fit right in. And so yeah, I stopped there and talked to him. There was a girl sitting with him. She lived in uh, Parker. And so I invited her and talked to her. And uh, I couldn't tell you the last time I'd been in Max's. It had been there. So I sat there and I talked to him. I said, what are you doing? And I could tell he's perfect fit to get connected for our young adult internship. And uh, so then Shane, if you don't think a little drop, drop in conversations like that happened, so I just stopped. I mean, I, I didn't have anything to do. Every, all the traffic had gotten out of there. So I sat there and talked to him, talked to him a little bit about her faith, asked her about where she went to church, all that thing. So then I left. Shane goes in there this morning, this kid, this same boy sitting there going, Cottonwood Creek, I just, I just talked to the pastor last week. And so anyway, Shane followed up the conversation and the invitation. So always be salt and like wherever you go because you never know when if you drop a word for Christ and a word for the Lord and a word for the church that someone else that you may not see like I see Shane could follow right in behind you. And so always be uh, on your witness. And so Sunday we started talking about making room for Christmas, making right. Let me just uh, read Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken with the entire, of the entire Roman world. Then to jump down to verse three and it says, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea, uh, to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. It says, while they were there, the time came for the um, for the child for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for them available. And as we think about that, uh, and we think about the idea of a beautiful mess, I talked about uh, seven things. It depending on which, which service you were in, uh, I didn't spend much time. I just rolled through them. Thought number one was this, and I want to encourage you, if you missed it, write them down. And I want you to take it and apply them to your own life. Thought number one, how to carve out time for Jesus. Is, first of all, we have to carve out moments for God in our busy schedule. We've got to carve out moments for God in our busy schedule. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 46, verse 10. He says, "...be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in all the earth." And that idea of, of being still, I love what the message uh, uh, says. Anybody read the message translation from time to time? If you read the message translation, he says, Eugene Peterson says, step out of the traffic from time to time. The traffic of, of going, sometimes just pull over in your own life, and we all have busy schedules. It's particularly this time of year if, if, if you've got an office party and you've got Christmas party and your kids have parties and you've got a life group party and all of those things. We can be so busy uh, doing things about Christmas that we stop. Uh, we, we don't take time to step out of traffic. Uh, I love what one translation says, cease striving. And, and a lot of times that's the cycle that we get on. We're always striving. We're always doing something. From time to time, I want to encourage you this, uh, this Christmas season as men to personally, first of all, step out of the traffic and spend some time with God and say, God, what do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? What do you want me to change about my life? And then also step out of the land of the busy traffic with your family as well. Uh, There are some great seasons and some great times that uh, uh, of all, and and my guess is, and I'm just going to assume, I'm not going to ask guys to raise raise hands. My my guess is uh, there are some guys in here that you would love to be in a habit of reading the Bible with your family, And with your, uh, uh, you know, with with your mate, let me tell you what. This is a great season of the year because there are a couple of neat stories in Luke one and Luke two that you can read that really pertain uh, to God and Christmas, and really refocusing. Same thing with Matthew one and Matthew two. This is a good time of year for you to step out of the busy season of traffic with your family and with yourself, and just be still and know who God is, and and take a spiritual breath. We have. And if you've been around here a long time, I I started a tradition with our family, our Houston family, every year is before we open up any presents, uh, we will read the Christmas story. And uh, we we then take, now it's all of our nieces and my, my nieces and nephews, it's all of their kids that play the parts. So uh, I'll say, okay, every time I say the word angel, you've got to stand up and wave your hands. Every time I say the word sheep or lamb, you've got to buy, you know, you've got to do all of those things. I used to do that with my niece's boyfriends at the time. And one of them's Chad and he's a, a Marine and uh, dude, uh, he just scares me to death. And I made him be the sheep. And so every time I ta- I said the word shepherd or sheep or lamb, he had to go, bah, all right? And uh, at that point, he had, he had just gotten out of the military. He was beginning uh, to, to date my, uh, my niece, and uh, he played well along. And let me tell you what, I must have put the word sheep and shepherd. I inserted a lot of words into God's Word that day. <laughs> Just because it was so funny watching this tough stud dude uh, still had his head shaved and everything over there, back, back. Back. And, uh, and so, but I want to encourage you with your grandkids or something. If you've got grandkids that you're going to be around, do that with them. Do some things. Say, you be the angel. Every time I say the word angel, that you wave your hands. Every time I say the word sheep or shepherd, you, you do the bow, or make them all do it. And that's a great opportunity to, right before you open your presence, to step out of the busy lane. To step out now. What my kids know is um, we started last year a new thing. We've always left after the last Christmas Eve uh, Christmas story, uh, Christmas Eve service, and we drive drive to Houston. So we'd always wake up down there. Well, my kids, three of them are in college, and uh, uh, my y- youngest ones in eleventh grade. So they don't care about waking up to Santa Claus down in Houston anymore. So that mid- that all the way through the night drive doesn't work. So we started a new trend, and now all my nieces are having kids. So they do the Santa Claus. We get down there, and we're doing evening Christmas anyway. So I went ahead last year and said, you know what? We always read this story down there with them. We're going to read it with you all. And then I looked at my oldest son, Jace, and said, you're the sheep. <laughs> and I said, you're the angel. And just went down the story, and, and I, I made them do it, and we read it together. So start some traditions with your family to before you open your presents, to do something special, to step out of the lane of traffic. And then we'll do it again down there in the afternoon, Christmas afternoon, and I'll make those, and those kids, those kids love it. So I want to encourage you, carve out some time. Here's number two, I talked about this. Make room for God's Word every day. Make room, if you are not on a Bible reading plan, some sort of Bible reading plan. We posted the Advent schedule, and, and I want to encourage you this season of the year. Yesterday, I believe it was one verse. It was one verse. Uh, this is not the time to catch up on the one-year Bible. If you flunked out and you fell out on the one-year Bible sometime mid-January of last year, don't, don't spend the rest, you know, your next 20 days speed reading, To get caught up, you're not going to get to heaven just because you finished the one year Bible this year. Some of y'all probably aren't getting anyway, so no need to rush it. I'm kidding. Uh, You know, take a verse or two and just digest it, just dwell on it. Take a moment and say, Man, God, what do you want to say? I I love these words. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the, you might want to write that down, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, it is sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Man, I want to encourage you to get some sort of reading plan and just choose a couple of verses or a chapter. Uh, choose, Go to our Advent plan. I'll post something every day. The church, you can find what the church does every day, the devotion every day, and, and, and make room God's Word every day. Start a habit now. That way, when you get challenged, and I can tell you your pastor's going to challenge you, uh, come January, part of the New Year's resolution, to become active in reading God's Word. Well, if you can get it started now, it's going to be that much easier to carry on in the new year. Because I already know, and probably you already know, uh, when we get to January, don't we start thinking about New Year's resolutions? We do. And and it's, hey, I want to be better in 19 than I was in 18. I want to be better in 18 than I was in 17. And the reality, there are always things in our lives that we need to improve on. And so I want to encourage you, go ahead, start reading God's Word now. Just pick a, a moment, a story, a passage, a couple of verses. I love what Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, if you want to write this down. It says, keep the book of the law always on your lips Meditate on it in your heart day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, let me tell you what, there, there is um, sometimes a misnomer that you cannot be a Christian and prosperous and successful. I want you to know that's bogus, all right? That's bogus. That God's word right here, here's what Joshua, God said to Joshua, this is God speaking to Joshua. He goes, Joshua, if you go into land, and you keep the book of the law close to you, and you meditate on it day and night, and you're careful to do everything that it says in it. He says, you will be prosperous and successful. Now, we can't always define success the way the world defines success, which is how much money do you have in your bank, all right? That's not necessarily what he was telling Joshua, that you're going to be the most loaded man in the neighborhood, now, that may happen, and we know some people, and y'all, y'all all know there's some strong believers. Man, if you're part of the, uh, is it the Kathy family, the Chick-fil-A family? Hey, that, I, I, how many of you would love for your last name to be Kathy or something like that? Isn't that them? Isn't, isn't that them? Whatever their names are, uh, or, or whatever, you know, just think about. But the reality of it is we get the opportunity to leave our kids a legacy uh, of being prosperous and successful the right way. Never having to look over your shoulder, never having to wonder if some of your past sins or your past business dealings are going to catch up with you. Be careful to meditate on it day and night. I will tell you, there is is nothing incongruous with a man of God being sold out to God and being extremely successful. There's nothing inconsistent about that. And so I want to encourage you as you journey towards success and, and being prosperous and as we teach our kids, man, keep God's Word. You know, there's the old, old idea, and, and many, of, many before me have, uh, have shared this, and I've always tried to, is we as God's children want to keep the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Well, we know no one ever reads a newspaper anymore, right? Uh, but what, it, what are we saying here? We want to know what God's Word says and what's going on in the world. You remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5? He says, walk, the King James Version says, walk circumspectly so that you would walk with wisdom. That word circumspectly is just two Greek words put together. One, the Greek word that we get our word circumference for all the way around. And, and, And the second one, circumspectly, is the Greek word that we get our word glasses from, spectacle from. In other words, seeing the world all the way around you. Know what's going on. And so, guys, we want, to, we want to constantly read God's Word, and I will guarantee you everything I read and everything I think every day has something to do with what's going on in the world around me. And it's going to help you, and it's going to push you along, and it's going to challenge you. Uh, I've been in a con- conversation uh, just uh, the last couple of weeks with a member of our church and his wife, who she is in the field of medicine. And uh, they're in 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 a place that in it's more of a one of these outpatient surgery centers. That uh, there are some things, some procedures they're doing now. You can carry it to the end, which she does not agree with in her Christian faith and her Christian walk, and she was like what do I do? And I've been in this conversation with them and I said, well, first of all, uh, I said, you've got to determine what would God want you to do? You know what would God want you to do? Don't think about what someone else would want you to do. What would God want you to do? Would God want you to go go ahead and say, you know what? I'm just an employee here. If my uh, if my bosses tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Then I'm, I'm going to do it. And and this was related to a couple of issues related to uh, you know not 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 to get off too much, but it, but it has to do with some reassignment stuff. And if you understand what I'm saying, imagine being in there. And these are elective surgeries. She says it's not. We're not talking about emergency surgeries. You know, my job at that point is to help help and what do I do but what if I lose my job should I go along get along should I go in and confront them should I just say no what should we do and so as we're praying through and thinking about there I said I think you need to just go down if you, if God's convicted you that you don't want to be a part of it go in there and just um, share where you stand and then let the chips fall where they may and uh um, so this is a, you can imagine this is a hard process because she's in a good state and a good place. It's great for their family. She makes good money. But she decided, I've got to go make that decision. And uh, did, we really didn't know what was going to happen when they went in there. Went down and sat with the top dog, the one that organizes the nurses and who's in the different places in the middle of the conversation. All of a sudden, the response from that person was, you know, I struggle with this too. I struggle with this too. And so there's a reality that we have got to constantly keep God's word with us but understand the world around us. And uh, a lot of times I think we can get ourselves so locked into what's going on in the church and God's word that when someone is raised by the world and they don't have a Christian influence in their life, don't be shocked when they just shack up. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be shocked. I think there are times that, and this is a bad thing for us as believers, especially if we're going to witness to our neighbors and stuff like that, um, that a lot of times our neighbors will come over and talk to us, and they'll tell us what they did, and we'll just drop our jaw like... You know, the reality of it is, you know, don't be shocked when sinners act like sinners. Does that make sense? Be more shocked when Christians act like sinners, all right? So we don't want to go around judging the world who is lost. They don't spend time in God's Word. We want to be salt and light to them, right? We want to be connected with them. Uh, Beyond that, uh, we want to make sure that then we're walking according to God's Word. So remember, notice what Joshua said. He, He didn't say, Joshua, hold on to God's Word, hold on to the Word, and meditate on it day and night, and then just do whatever you want to what it is saying, and be careful to do or obey everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So there's a reading, there's a doing, and there's success. Some people want to read and get the success of the prosperous. Uh, Some people just want to read and then do their own thing. But remember, that's the three-step. Read it, carve out time for God's Word, do it, and then ultimately, you will receive success. Here's the third thing if you're going to make room for God this Christmas. Reflect on what God has done for you. Reflect on what God has done for you. You know, that seems so simple and so um, easy to, to think about. But, but the truth is, every person in this room has a lot to be grateful for. Every person in this room has a lot to be grateful for. When I think back over my life, um, even, and you've heard me share this, my, my journey of, uh, of, of sowing the wild oats and doing my own thing and not doing God's thing, I can look back even now and think of some times that, 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 that God protected me, that God put some places and people in my life uh, that were constantly salt and light that I constantly looked over to and begin to say, you know, this is where God was just telling me this is not who I created you to be. I created you to be something different. And as I look back and I think back on some of the seasons, man, we as a church have so much to be grateful for and so much to be thankful for that God has put us here and placed us here. That for 23 and a half years, and for those of you who are relatively new to the church, uh, and, and under, for 23 and a half years, I got the opportunity to share this this past weekend with someone. They started asking about the church and stuff like that. And things haven't always been great in the church, but, but here's, here's what we can celebrate. In 23 and a half years, I can tell you we have never been close to a church split, and we have never been close to an all out church fight. That is a good, th- pastor, that's a good thing, right? Amen. Especially when for at least 20 of those years, the name Baptist was on the front of the door. Uh, man, that's how you, you, you ever drive through a little town of 300 and you got first, second, and third Baptist? You know how they plant those churches? It's called a business meeting. Business meeting in first Baptist, uh, two teams, two people get, get out of sorts and half of them leave and become second Baptist. And then somewhere down the, low, along, down the road, they have another business meeting, and these Christians who are supposed to be unified can't get unified, and they split, and you get a third Baptist and fourth Baptist and fifth Baptist and sixth Baptist church. So that's the way Baptists plant churches. We're not mission-minded. We're, we're business-meeting-minded, and we're fight-minded, and that's what happens is you get some stuff. And I got to share that with somebody. There have been some seasons, tough seasons in our church, man. There are some seasons we built the worship center right into uh, 2008, Eight, and our top two committers, I mean, several million dollars, basically went belly up. One of them still in the church, by the way. One of them still in the church. Um, and, and that's fine. By the way, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for But let me tell you what, in 2008, when Given was already dying because 25% of our church was laid off, uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. We were just trying to keep things. We had some pretty heated business meeting, money conversations about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And, you know, people saying, well, we've got to do this, right? We said we were going to do this. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but Jesus also said be as wise as a serpent. And I'm looking at money and there ain't none. You know what I'm saying? And But you said, I go... Based on projections and, you know, does that make sense? But we have never, and you can celebrate this, we have never been close to a church split or an all-out fight. Let me tell you what, that's something to be thankful for. That's something to be thankful for. It's something to be grateful for. And and this is not me. There were a couple of churches when I came 23 and a half years ago, when I think of as a pastor, that where we were at Old Fairview, I would have switched with a couple of churches Locations in a nanosecond that were bigger than us. And after 23 and a half years, they're still the same size and they're on their fifth pastor. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking we would love to try another one. Uh, (laughs) But I'm not, they are running because we just hosted Colin, Colin Baptist Network of Association, the Christmas luncheon. God has blessed us. So we hosted that yesterday for all of them. Some of those churches are the same size they were 23 and a half years ago. You think that honors God? Man, we want to continue to stay blessed, people. We want to stay blessed and really, I will guarantee you, in your family, even if you're really going through some tough stuff right now, you can look back over your marriage and your life and with your kids and write down things. I love these words. Look at what scripture says. You might want to write this down, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. Here's what God says to the children of Israel. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Now, God's illustration was this. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Guys, it is easy to forget. How many of you understand that? I mean, think of the story of the children of Israel. Remember, they were in they were in chains, they were in bondage, they were slaves for it seems like 400 years, but it probably seemed like generation after generation after generation in slavery. God takes Moses, walks them out. They walk through uh, the Red Sea. The uh, Pharaoh and his chariots are swallowed up behind them. Have you read the next chapter? How long does it take for them to forget about all that, and they start grumbling? takes them about 8 miles till they get to Mayra and they've got no they've got no sweet water. And how long does it take us to forget about God, guys? About 8 miles, right? Or about 8 minutes or sometimes 8 seconds. I will tell you if you it's something we've started with our kids in our family, if you want to you want an endeavor, have your kids sit down and write things they're thankful for. Man, if they're teenagers, you really need to do that because that's not the natural thing on their mind, right? But do not forget God. Guys, everybody in here, you have something to be grateful for. And I think some of the best um, moments I've had when I've looked with my kids, and now as they've grown older, I've looked at them and tell them things that I'm thankful for in my life. That things could have turned out this way, but God helped make it make sure it turned out this way. And so, if you're going through a struggle or if you're going through a hard, just trust God. Don't forget. Here's another verse. We want to write it down. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. He says, "Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness for forty years to humble and test you." Now, that does I want you to hear that, to humble and test you. What was God doing when he let them get to spaces of bitter water? He was testing them. Do you trust me? And if you're at a place of bitter water right now, God might be testing you. God might be, might be trying to hone you, to challenge you, to change you. If you're in a season of, of difficulty, man, what's coming out? Are you mad at God? Are you angry at God? You know what? What comes out when you're in a bitter season and a bitter time is just what was already there, right? It might be a latent, rep- repressed, pushed down bitterness and anger, but what comes out in those seasons, what's there? And so maybe you need to do business with God. But remember what God has done. Here's number three or number four. Be honest with God and others about your failures. And the passage I was going to go over Sunday was Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Be honest with God and others about your failures. Here's what David, the psalmist, said. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He says this in verse 24. Listen to it. He says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Test me and search me, and see if there is any offensive way in me. You know that's that's a challenge that um, that we all need to take. Is there something in my life that's offensive to other people? That if, that is offensive to God? That is offensive to my wife? That is offensive to my kids? That is offensive to my neighbors or someone I work with? Is there any offensive way in you? Um, I want you to know, guys, the answer is yes. How many of you agree with that? Okay. I'm not going to call you out in here, Justin. But uh, every one of us has something. If, if If you are struggling in your marriage with your wife, here's what I've known from experience. It's not all her fault. I've never sat in a room. Now, I have sat in a room. Where husbands have basically said it's all the wife's fault. Our wives have said it's all the husband's fault. And here's what I'll know. They will lie about other things too. So if you're struggling, man, just just step back and say, God what is it in me that is creating this situation? What is it in me that is causing this struggle? Why am I always in tension with people at the office? What am I doing wrong? Is there something? And I, and I love you. Be honest with God and others about your failures. You know, it's hard to do this, to ask if there's any offensive way in you. Why? Because once I do it, that calls for actions. Once I've identified the offensive way in me, first thing I need to do is confess it to God. God, this doesn't please you. I didn't like this about so-and-so, and and I stood right outside my life group class, or I talked about this out in the parking lot, and I yacked about something, and that was an offensive way in me. And I need to go ask forgiveness for something that I said. That also produces, you know, so I confess it. So it's not only confess to God action. Second action, sometimes I need to go ask for forgiveness for someone. And and let me tell you what, what what keeps us more than anything else from asking for forgiveness from some other person? Y'all are a smart group, guys. I I can tell you, I'm not the best husband in the world. And, And my wife is not a touchdown dancer, all right? That if I come in with my tail tucked from between my legs... And uh, and say, hey, hey, honey, I want to apologize to you. I want to ask your forgiveness for how I how I responded back there. That was and my my wife is not she's not the person that's going to spike the ball over the goalposts because she's just defeated me. But I will tell you what, even though I know it will always be received, I hate it. I want you to know, I still hate it. If you think I would, I hate the idea of. Asking for my wife's forgiveness. I want you to know you're very, very, very extremely spiritual pastor. Still struggles with that. I'd rather just let it go and let it be. And so, guys, when you make a list, when you let God search your heart, confess it, and then go ask someone else for forgiveness. And whatever happens with them is on them. Right, guys? You do what God wants you to do. You try to build the relationship. Here's number five. You Ready? Let God heal your brokenness. Let God heal your brokenness. Uh, I won't dwell on this very much because we're all put together in here. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is is close to the brokenhearted. If you know someone who is brokenhearted, this is a good passage. This is why you want to read God's Word every day because I have been shocked with the number of times whatever I've read that day is what I need to share by 11 o'clock with someone else. Does that make sense? Just a verse. And they like, man, you know your Bible. And I'm going, yeah, I just read it this morning. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm a genius in the Bible. And so I want to encourage you, get in that daily Bible reading. Man, if you come across someone today, man, just say, hey, you know what? Psalm 3418. You want to be seen as a spiritual giant, the chaplain at your office? Man, just remember that verse right there. I will guarantee you in the next 24 hours, You can share that verse with someone. How many of you understand? That verse. And they'll look at you and go, dude, you just know. And I go, yeah, "Yeah, that's an Old Testament verse. I know some in the New Testament too. Jesus wept. Uh, You you know, I mean, just get in a pattern and and God will you. That verse right there, I use every week, every week. And people look at me and say, man, you just always have the right verse. (laughs) It's in the Bible. They're all right. You know, and so I want to encourage you with that. But God, God is close to the broken heart. Here's number six gain strength through God's Spirit and God's people. Gain strength through God's Spirit and God's people. I think I was able to read this in one, one, one service, but didn't the other. Here's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Here's what Paul's praying for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner, inner being. I love that word power. It is the Greek word. If you want to write this down, it's the Greek word dunamos. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. That God would give you the dynamite of the Holy Spirit working in your life to strengthen you for whatever's coming your way. But notice the key. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So faith brings the Spirit, which provides strength. Then he says, and I also pray that you are rooted and established in love and may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. Notice a couple of things. Faith gives us the Spirit. The Spirit gives us strength and power to grasp an understanding together with all the Lord's people how high and deep and wide and long the love of God is for us. There is a communal nature to the faith that we have to understand that I gain strength from being around other brothers and sisters of faith. When I am with other people in church studying God's Word, I gain gain strength with them. I I gain power with them. Don't ever let yourself isolate. Uh, isolate as a Christian. Don't ever become isolated. Don't ever pull back. Don't ever draw back. I'm just going to tell you this right now. Even after a major sin in your life, do not do exactly what Satan wants you to do, which is to isolate. Isolate. Man, we gain strength to walk and to follow God and to serve God and walk with God when we are gathered around other people, other people who are also honest about their failures and struggles and their hurts and their heartaches. Man, that's why we don't ever want to be, guys, I'm just going to tell you, we never want to be the church that if Jesus showed up, he would walk through and call us a bunch of whitewashed tombs. We don't ever want to be that people. We don't ever want to be the people that God would walk up and down in our worship and say, yeah, your lips sing my praises, but your hearts are far from me. I mean, we want to be the people of God where Jesus looks at us just like he did his disciples. Maybe Thomas, I know you doubt. You need to to see the scars. You want want to see the spear at my side? You want to look at my feet? That's who we want to be. We want to be Peter. who says, "Lord, you know I love you. I'm sorry that I denied you." That's who we want to be. Just be real and be honest, man. We want. We want. There are people that are showing up in our congregation that haven't been in church much their whole life, and it's shocking because we live in Collin County, and they're trying to see if we're a bunch of real people or if we're fake, if we're paper Christians or if we're real flesh and blood Christians. So, I want to encourage you with that idea. Man, gain strength through God's Spirit and God's people when we are honest together. Here's number seven. And this is important. Ask God to do something through you this Christmas, not for you, but through you. Say, God, let me be the instrument somehow, some way. And this might be so foreign to some of you. Let me be the instrument somehow, some way to impact my office for Christ, to impact my family for Christ, to impact my neighbors for Christ, to do that. I mean, to make sure that you are used by God this Christmas. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I think you want to ask, ask God to use you in two different places. One, with someone you don't know. Someone you don't know. Because if you plant the seeds this Christmas in someone's life, you never know, just like we did in the last week, you never know the shame that's going to come behind you and just water the seed. So plant, ask God to use you to minister to someone you don't know and then next, someone you do know. Not just in your family. Maybe a neighbor, maybe someone at the office that God would use you to impact their lives. And that's where Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, He says, you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. Ask God to do something through you. And, and here's what I know, guys. If you will, with your whole heart, with your, your, all your energy and all your prayers, if you'll get, ask God to do something through you this year, God won't let you down. God will not let you down. There are people who are probably around you that are hiding the fact that this is the last Christmas they're going to be together in that marriage. And they're hiding it from you, and they're hiding it from their kids. There are people around you that are moving toward Christmas, and this is going to be their first Christmas without their husband or wife, without a mom or a dad without a son or a daughter or a brother or sister. Does that make sense? They're, they're, moving, they're moving towards this Christmas with an angst. There are literally thousands and millions of people who are moving towards this Christmas, and they have no clue what Christmas is really about. Guys, ask God to do something through you, and I'll promise you He will. Father, thank you so much for these guys. Man, thank you for the opportunity as a pastor uh, to be refreshed by these guys. Um, And and I hope these guys understand how much it refreshes me just to come in here and be real, share about my own struggles, my failures that I can't necessarily do on Sunday morning, and talk about seasons in my lives of uh, of difficulty. God, but I pray we'd all be honest with each other. I pray that we would take these seven things to really make room for you in our lives this Christmas. And it would culminate with us as men asking you to do something through us, not for us, for someone we don't know and someone we know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all take care.